Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Monoclonal antibodies are one of the few proven treatments against COVID-19, greatly reducing the risk of hospitalization and death in people who contract the disease. They've been deployed with great success, notably in Florida, where Governor Ron DeSantis made the treatment free to residents of the state. Well, this week, the Biden administration unilaterally decided to cut the supply of this life-saving treatment to the Sunshine State by 50%. Why, you ask? Equity or, or something like that. Friends, it's time for Hold the Line. Welcome to the Hold the Line. I'm Buck Sexton. They say that COVID should be above politics. We know that's not true. We know that it's deeply politicized, that there is a partisanship at the heart of many of the decisions about lockdowns and masks and mitigation measures and all the rest of it. But when it comes to the actual specific medical treatments that could save a very sick person, you'd like to think that we could all agree We just have to focus on getting that to everybody. It's not about politics. We just have to get the drugs, get the whatever we can to people who need it. If it was ventilators, if it were, if it was supplemental oxygen, monoclonal antibodies, right? Why would anyone ever play games, political games with something like that? That's just too reckless, too evil, honestly. But all of a sudden, we have the White House, the federal government, stepping in to say they are going to be the arbiters of monoclonal antibody distribution. Why is that? Well, White House spokesperson Jen Psaki had this to say. Over the last month, given the rise in cases due to the Delta variant and the lower number of vaccination rates in some of these states, like Florida, like Texas, just seven states are making up 70% of the orders. Our supply is not unlimited, and we believe it should be equitable across uh, states across the country. Do you- there have been no reports of a, a, a lack of supply, so why cut them to those states only if there's no reports I think of a- our role as the, as the government overseeing the entire country is to be equitable in how we distribute. We're not going to give a greater percentage to Florida over Oklahoma, nor do I think are you suggesting that. Equitable in how we distribute. Let's think about that for a second. This should be very straightforward. Nowhere has there been yet some shortage of monoclonal antibodies that has occurred, that hasn't happened. So why don't we just do the very obvious and straightforward thing, which is to make sure that we get the monoclonal antibodies. First of all, why is the federal government even in charge of this? But second of all, why don't we just allow it to go wherever it is needed? What could be more straightforward than that? Well, now it seems, as you heard, equity comes into this 
not going to give a greater percentage to Florida than Oklahoma. She says really what she means is not going to give a greater percentage to a red state like Florida than you will to, say, a blue state like California or New York. Almost like maybe they realize, based on the data and the numbers and the northward drift of the hot spots for COVID right now in this country, despite the mass vaccination campaign, they might want to have considerable reserves of monoclonal antibodies on hand. Maybe they need to prepare for a very difficult COVID winter in the Northeast, in the coastal states that have had such high vaccination rates, but as we know, not, now need boosters, right? So that's one explanation. Another explanation, perhaps even more troubling, is that the federal government wants to punish Florida. Ron DeSantis is the anti-Fauci as a governor. We all know this. And that means that he's a thorn in the side of the Biden administration that clings to Fauci like a child grabbing their favorite blankie. We understand what's happening here. We know that there are politics involved in at work. And certainly so does the governor of the Sunshine State, Ron DeSantis, who sees what's going on, sees that his supply will be cut in half and says, what the heck is this about? And he's not going to take it lying down. Here's what he says. To just spring this on us starting next week, we're going to have to do that. There's going to be a huge disruption and patients are going to suffer as a result of this. And so we're going to work like hell. Uh, to make sure that we can overcome the obstacles uh, that HHS and the Biden administration are putting uh, in, in us. They say they're, they're cutting it because of equity. Well, look, the South has had higher prevalence uh, this summer. That will shift. And then as more states and other parts of regions need it, we understand that. But part of the reason we've used a lot is because I have made it a priority in the state of Florida. It had not been a priority at the federal government level for months and months and months. Yeah, pretty straightforward. Ron DeSantis has said we need these things. And in fact, at one time, there were Democrat-aligned news outlets that were trying to suggest that DeSantis had some sort of financial, underhanded financial incentive in pushing monoclonal antibodies. Now the federal government's saying, oh, we're gonna take more of those because those things actually work pretty well and they're really useful. You see the politics at work here? You see that some of the loudest voices right now who are browbeating everybody who has any questions about vaccination were some of the people that when Trump was president were in fact very concerned about whether you can trust the vaccine that Trump was pushing. Almost like whether they are pro or anti COVID vaccine depends entirely upon the politics of the moment. Here is MSNBC's own Joy Reid last night essentially admitting as much. I understand the hesitancy you wanted. I mean, listen, I was hesitant. When Donald Trump was out there controlling the CDC yes. and controlling the FDA and manipulating right. them and making them put out falsehoods, anybody rational right. was hesitant. But the reality right. is now what, we, what I really fear is masses of more masses of people dying. 666,000 people have yeah. died. And disproportionately, they look like you and me, Michael. And what yes. scares me is that people are creating a cultural imperative to set themselves up for death when the people pushing them to do it, like Tuckums, are vaccinated and safe. And even if they got COVID, are going to get all the monoclonal antibodies. They could give a damn if Nicki Minaj gets COVID and dies. They don't care about us. It's, it's, it's amazing how much stupidity can be on one television show. But there you have it. Meanwhile, while they tell us that the problem is anybody who is even a little bit vaccine hesitant, we're the reason, they, those people are the reason for the current surge. 
There's also a whole booster negotiation and discussion happening right now at the FDA. Here's Surgeon General Murphy saying that uh, they're going to be promoting ahead of FDA, uh, FDA approval the booster shots. That seems like kind of a weird thing to do because what if the FDA doesn't? Oh, of course, the FDA is going to have to approve them then, right? Here you go. I am wondering, you, you've been very public about planning to roll out boosters. And you've also said you don't want to put pressure on the scientific agencies. How does being so public about this not put pressure on those agencies to make the decision that you're planning for them to make? Let me go back to, to why we made the announcement in August that we did. There were two reasons, transparency and planning. If we saw a signal that indicated to us that protection was starting to wane and that additional shots may be required, that we would be transparent and open with the public about that. That was one of the reasons we felt it was important to speak up when we saw that signal in the data. Yeah, the vaccines stopped being so protective in a matter of months, not even a year. That's what they saw. And now we're going to get boosters. How much safety data do they have on boosters in terms of side effects? They don't know. How could they know? Don't ask any questions, peasant. Get the shot. Get the second shot. Get the third shot. Maybe a fourth, fifth, sixth shot. Shut up and do what you're told. That's the Biden administration policy at this point. Don't look at the data and come to your own conclusions about what's really happening. All right. Restaurants in New York City are pushing back against mandates for vaccines as a new report claims 11 and 15 eateries, at least in one undercover investigation, did not enforce vaccine requirements for customers. Mark Simone, Mr. New York here on 710 WOR and NYC, joins us to talk about the Vax Rebellion and the Big Apple. But first, let's talk about that morning cup of coffee. If you're like me, you have to start your day with some caffeine. That means kicking it off with Black Rifle Coffee. Black Rifle is a veteran-owned company that serves premium coffee to people who love America. They develop their coffee with the same mission focus they learned while serving our great nation. With every purchase, Black Rifle gives back. In 2020, they donated over 6 million cups of coffee to veteran law enforcement and first responder causes. Their high-quality coffee beans are imported all the way from Colombia and Brazil. They carefully roast them at their facilities in Tennessee and Utah. They even have a signature roast called Lava Panther that's directly sourced from a small farm in Guatemala. So although the temperatures are cooling off, don't forget to keep enjoying the great outdoors fueled by Black Rifle Coffee. All right, purchase some today. Go to blackriflecoffee.com buck. Use code buck at checkout for 20% off your purchase and your first coffee club order. We'll be right back with talk show host, Mark Simone. So you're refusing to serve us? Are you refusing to serve us? So you, so you're going to enforce segregation. Every, everybody in here is okay with that. Everybody's in here okay with with, with setting up, setting segregation in society. Everybody's okay with that. Oh, we don't have our vaccine card, so now the kids can't eat. We can't eat. You guys are okay with that? This is the America you want to live in. Is this the America you want to live in? No. F- you, you see, you're not American. That's why you need to get the f- out of here so if you're not American. So all right, get the f- out of here. Okay, this is America, and in America, everybody can eat. I love this guy. I honestly, I want to take him out to dinner. I want to cook food for him and his family. Hang out with him. I, I love him. He's totally right. I wish I had said this stuff. He's fantastic. Some New Yorkers, at least, are sick and tired of the government imposing this vaccine mandate at eateries across New York City. Looks like some owners might be too. According to the New York Post, 11 out of 15 restaurants that were visited by an undercover operation of sorts were not enforcing Mayor Bill de Blasio's tyrannical mandates for indoor dining. 
But if caught, the city could issue up to $2,000 fines to venues that fail to keep unvaccinated people out. So like the Fed Up New Yorker said in the video, is this the kind of America we want to live in? Let's bring in talk show host on 710WOR, 10 to noon weekdays, Mr. Mark Simone, Mr. New York. Good to see you, sir. Hey, great to see you. Uh, I love that guy. I love that video. Man, he was amazing, right? I mean, it's just, it was such a, such a catharsis to be able to watch somebody say this stuff, because this is what I want to say every time I have to go through this crap. Look, LA's basically doing a mirror image version of what we got in New York now with their vaccine mandate. I think more places, remember the blue coastal places, more likely to have their surge in the wintertime as we go into it. So that could very well happen. But what's going on here in New York? I mean, you got your finger on the pulse, Mark. Are, are most restaurants complying, not complying? Do we know? That's a very tricky question. Also, you know, in New York, this administration that runs this city, they can't enforce anything. They can't stop crime. They got, you got homeless people menacing people. You got the worst stuff. This is the only thing they actually try to enforce. This is where they start. But uh, if you go to some of the top, top restaurants where uh, everybody tends to be a regular, they know you. And I go to two or three restaurants every night, seven nights a week. Uh, only once was I ever asked to show a vaccine card. Uh, I don't want to mention any names because I'd like to keep going there. But right. a lot of restaurants, if they know you, uh, they don't really ask you for anything. But uh, it's, it's usually these places where a lot of tourists and people they don't know are coming in and they get very strict. I like the fact that they're throwing out people with uh, out vaccinations because it's hard to get in these restaurants. They're always packed. And then finally there's room for me and I can get in now. Clearing out some space. I mean, I got to say, Mark, it's, it seems to me like this is going to turn into an enhanced enforcement or, or a, uh, a deterrence enforcement situations, I think what they'd call it in city government, where they're just going to start going around tagging different restaurants with a $2,000 fine for something that's simply absurd and tyrannical in the first place. Uh, do you, you know, what is the turning point? I mean, I know there are some restaurant industry groups and, and some folks who have been saying they're going to bring lawsuits uh, in New York City. You think that, are we going to go through a whole winter in New York and probably other cities as well, where they are actually going to just keep finding people and demanding to see your papers? Yeah, well, I like the vaccine and I'm vaccinated, but I understand uh, freedom and choice and that's important. And, you know, traditionally in New York in the winter, you'd catch the flu, you'd catch a cold every time you went to these restaurants. So, so if we're, we're going to do it here, why, why weren't we doing it on this other stuff? Also, when you go to any restaurant here, they're having so much trouble getting employees. Who knows who the heck they're hiring? And I see all these people that look like they started a few days ago. We don't know that they're vaccinated. Uh, when do they have to show us our, our vaccine cards, their vaccine cards? Also, if you've had the virus, you're more vaccinated than anybody. You've got nature's vaccine, which is even stronger. Is, that, is there a card for that? What if you yeah, had what, it? What did you think about when, when, when suddenly Fauci's asked about this? I'm sure you saw, Mark. I'm sure you talked about it on, on your very excellent radio show. And, and Fauci all of a sudden does the, you know, yeah, that's, that's an interesting idea, the natural immunity yeah. thing you're talking about. It's like this, this clown is the, the top voice on this issue. There's over 100 million Americans, minimum, baseline, based on the serology testing, who have been exposed to and have natural antibodies to COVID. And Fauci last week was like, I think we'll study that. Well, those antibodies, those natural antibodies, every study shows that they're even better protection. And where's the card for that? Why can't you have that on a vaccine card? You know, if I, I, listen, Fauci is the Mark Milley of medicine. I mean, I, he's just always wrong. He's Good the call. Anthony Blinken. He's blinking with a stethoscope, I and mean, he's just the worst guy in the world. But uh, this is not going to work. Uh, you know, I, I, right now I'm in Connecticut, 
You don't right. have to show anything here. Everything's open. You don't need a mask. You don't have to show anything. And they got a much better rate than anybody else in America. What do you think is going to happen in New York City going into this winter period? Could you foresee? Because I mean, based on the data out of Israel and the UK, which is about three, especially in Israel's about three months ahead of us, roughly, because they got their vaccination really, you know, to 80 percent very quickly right on the schedule. And so that's when we started to see that there was this drop off. Now there's the FDA saying they're not sure about the, they're not, they're not sure their boosters are going to happen. Well, based on what we've seen elsewhere in the country, I mean, what do you think major cities like New York are going to do if they see, even if it's not a big hospitalization and death spike, but large case spikes starting right around November, December? Well, you're not going to need this third booster. I think the FDA will say that. And uh, I know Israel, their data, and they want, but Israel's like a typical emergency room sort of doctor, just over-medicate the hell out of you and hope they don't see you again. So it, it's it's too much vaccine. I, I like the vaccine, but the third booster, we're way too early on that. Uh, and when they look at the increases, they're always giving you these uh, percentages. It's up 42%, 87%, but that's from all-time lows. It's still not anywhere near what it was. It's fine. We'll get through this. We're at uh, 75% immunity now from vaccines. Figure at least another 10, probably 20% natural immunity. So we're almost at total herd immunity. So you think we're going to be all right this winter? Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, this Delta variant, uh, in other countries, it runs for eight to 10 weeks, then starts to slow down. We're already at that period where it's starting to drop. You know, California, with all their lockdowns and masks and whatever the hell they're doing, their numbers are disgusting. They're the worst numbers. Uh, you know, they always pick on DeSantis in Florida. I noticed they never mentioned Newsom and his horrifying numbers. So uh, it, it'll run its course. We'll be fine. Well, there we go. Some optimism here. Mr. New York, Mark Simone, great to see you, sir. Thanks. Hundreds of Americans and thousands of our Afghan allies remained stranded in Afghanistan two weeks after U.S. troops completed their withdrawal from the country. So how is President Biden handling what is essentially the worst hostage situation we've seen in recent U.S. history? He's headed to the beach for vacation, of course. We got more on that in the Buck Brief coming up. But let's talk about my friends at My Digital Money. Seems like everybody wants to invest in crypto these days. Bitcoin, Ethereum, there are all these digital tokens out there. But okay, if you want to start, where do you go? That's where My Digital Money comes in. It's an easy-to-use, self-trading crypto IRA platform with concierge-level customer service. It's one of the few U.S.-based cryptocurrency companies that will answer your phone call and help you get started. Because your comfort and security is their absolute top priority, they offer an unparalleled military-grade security, a trigger order system that helps you secure opportunities without having to watch your account all the time, a play money account so you can test the market without risking actual cash, and these are all great features. Look, the crypto market's heating up. When it comes to your money, though, you deserve a team of dedicated professionals who have your back, speak to you honestly, and treat you like a human, not a number. Check them out right now. Best customer service in the business. They'll help you get started. MyDigitalMoney.com. MyDigitalMoney.com. Get into the crypto game. Do it with experts who have your back. Right? Uh, we'll be back with more Hold the Line in a moment. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. 
I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. We don't, we don't have an exact number, but it's in the I, But a, a round in number? In the thousands. Pardon? In the thousands. In the thousands. It's been a little over two weeks since the U.S. completed its withdrawal from Afghanistan, and hundreds of Americans remain stranded in the country, not to mention thousands of other U.S. visa and green card holders. The administration claims it's hard at work trying to get them out, but those who've been left behind have become de facto hostages of the Taliban government. Remember, a Taliban government that has people who are former Gitmo detainees, terrorists at the very top level of that government. How seriously is President Biden taking this crisis? He's headed out for a vacation this weekend. We'll take a closer look into all this in the Buck Brief. So has Biden solved the problem of Americans left behind in Afghanistan, as well as special immigrant visa holders and others? Has he actually got it all done? No. But he does feel the need for some more R&R. Here's a headline. President Biden set to visit Rehoboth on September 17th. Nice beach community there. While White House daily guidance says he'll be in town in time for dinner. Oh, I'm so glad. You know, Biden's going to the beach, going to work on his tan. You know, no joke. Going to be hanging out. Has he figured out what's going on in Afghanistan, though, and who's been left behind, you know, after the precipitous and, and chaotic withdrawal? Well, here's State Department spokesman Ned Price saying that you know, they've done everything they can, but unfortunately the Taliban is still blocking flights with Americans on them out of Mazar-e-Sharif in northern Afghanistan. We have been very clear that the individuals uh, who have expressed a desire and a willingness to leave via Mazar-e-Sharif should be allowed uh, to leave the country. Uh, they're, uh, the fact that, uh, to my knowledge, a charter flight has not departed Mazar has uh, nothing to do um, with anything that the State Department has or has not done, and in fact, quite the contrary. Uh, the State Department, as we have said, has pulled every lever available to us. Uh, we have mm -hmm. gone to extraordinary links uh, with uh, uh, not only our engagement with the Taliban, uh, but also um, with these uh, other constellation of, of uh, groups uh, uh, on the ground and operating from afar, and also with countries in the region. And uh, to our minds, uh, these flights, uh, these individuals, uh, there is no reason uh, they should not be able uh, to depart. Yeah, that's really confidence inspiring, isn't it? Don't you feel like the Biden State Department just got this all ready to go? Yeah, a lot of circular, we're doing a lot, but we can't do anything. And we've got this covered, but we don't know what's going to happen. Not exactly making you feel like this is the A-team, huh? Not a surprise here at all. But you do know one thing. The Taliban is certainly in charge in Afghanistan. They are the government, and they've got a whole bunch of Americans that they have control of. 
And we have now a U.S. government, thanks to the Biden administration and its decision, that is having to go hat in hand, so to speak, and just say, hey, could we please have our Americans back? That's pretty much what State Department spokesman Price is saying. Watch. Our discussions with the Taliban uh, that have uh, uh, been ongoing have been pragmatic. Uh, they have been focused by and large on practical issues. And force, first and foremost, uh, in terms of our priorities and uh, consequently in terms of our discussions with the Taliban, have been on issues of safe passage. Uh, ensuring that uh, the Taliban knows that not only the United States, uh, but also our allies and partners around the world, uh, we intend to hold them to the privates and public commitments they have made to allow our citizens uh, and to allow those to whom we have a special commitment uh, to uh, leave the country. Yeah, that, that really makes me feel like I should sleep soundly at night knowing those Americans are going to get out without any problem, right? What? This guy's just talking in, talking in circles here. Meanwhile, as we actually look to see what was the reality and what were the results of the Biden administration withdrawal from Afghanistan, we've got a little bit more information on this. One point uh, that came up today that's particularly distressing to see. But first, let's just look at Senator Rand Paul, who's one of the few who's trying to hold the administration's feet to the fire on this, talked about abandoning Bagram Air Base as just an absurdly, insanely bad strategic blunder. Here's Senator Paul. I've advocated for an end to the Afghan war for over a decade. I'm glad it's finally over. But never in my worst nightmares could I have imagined that an administration would leave and leave $80 billion worth of weaponry to the Taliban. Dozens of planes and helicopters, thousands of armored carriers, hundreds of thousands of automatic weapons, and worst of all, 13 of our brave young men and women. Never in my worst nightmares did anyone or conceive of such a colossal incompetence. Abandoning Bagram Air Force Base will be remembered as one of the worst military decisions in our history. Holding no one accountable, having everyone circle the wagons and say, hey, we all agreed abandoning Bagram Air Force Base was a great idea. This is going to be remembered by the people. Holding no one accountable for letting the base go, it will be remembered. No one accountable. That's the reality here. Also, no one will be held accountable for, well, I have to tell you now, earlier in the week, we discussed the likelihood, and I said it seemed very likely, and we even had Bill Roggio on from the Foundation of Defense and Democracies to talk about that airstrike from a drone on a vehicle in Kabul that we were told initially by the Biden administration as it was taking a victory lap, stopped a mass casualty terror attack from happening. So after the first mass casualty terror attack that killed 13 Americans and over 100 Afghans, hundreds, hundreds are uh, wounded, uh, you now have the Biden administration having to admit through General McKenzie that that strike that they said showed the kind of command and, and quick, swift response that Biden's team was able to pull together. It killed 10 civilians, no terrorists, and seven children in that strike. Here's General McKenzie. Having thoroughly reviewed the findings of the investigation and the supporting analysis by interagency partners, I am now convinced that as many as 10 civilians, including up to seven children, were tragically killed in that strike. Moreover, we now assess that it is unlikely that the vehicle and those who died were associated with ISIS-K or were a direct threat to U.S. forces. I offer my profound condolences to the family and friends of those who were killed. 
Biden administration was desperate to look tough and put a lot of pressure on senior military personnel. And they struck a car with seven children. They had a drone doing surveillance. How did they not know there were seven kids inside? They blew it up, killed 10 people, 10 civilians. No connection to terror whatsoever. They're admitting that now. You'd think that maybe if there was a Republican president, the media would think this is a big deal, but because it's Biden, you know, we all know he's an idiot. Oh, except for Nancy Pelosi, who wants you to think that he's perfect in his foreign policy. Watch this. I mean, you say about our president, President Biden. President Biden is, it's so, we're so fortunate that he did not win for president before when he ran because we needed him now. He's perfect for now. He knows his foreign policy. He was chair of the foreign policy committee. He's been, extends the hands of friendship to friend and foe like in order to have communication. He understands the value of that. He, is, he knows and is known by most leaders and, and, uh, and coming up leaders in the world. How many you say about our president, President Biden? I mean, just delusional, but that's Pelosi for you. This week, House Democrats have unveiled a proposal that includes more than 40 separate tax increases. How else do you think they're going to pay for the trillions of dollars in spending? And they're not even going to fully pay for it, of course. Trish Regan, host of the Trish Regan Show podcast, joins us next to break down the potential effects of the Democratic taxing spree. Right now, I want to tell you about a potential investment opportunity. Have you ever thought about investing in real estate? I want you to take me up on this recommendation. Visit doneforyoubuck.com where you can learn more about my friends at Done For Your Real Estate. If you haven't checked them out yet, let me make this easy for you. These guys have found a way to make real estate investing straightforward and their system flat out works. I know because I'm using it successfully. It lets everyday hardworking Americans like you and me finally own investment real estate without all the risk and difficulty of doing it on your own. Look, I can't tell you about this enough in this quick commercial. So how about this? Check these guys out. Go to doneforyoubuck.com. Go to that website. At the top of the page is a podcast interview I did with Done For You where you can hear my experience in, their, in my own words. Okay, I'll tell you about it in detail. From picking the city to the house, getting the broker, the loan, even getting a tenant in place so I've got free cash flow coming to me every month. Visit doneforyoubuck.com, listen to the podcast interview, and give my friends a chance to show you what they can do for you. Trish Regan joins us next. Stay there. House Democrats have outlined new tax increases for corporations and the wealthy with hopes of funding their $3.5 trillion spending spree, at least in part, right? According to Democrats, a majority of the money would go toward the social safety net and climate policy, also known as the Green New Deal, but they won't call it that. Here's a little more on the massive tax hike. The rate structure provides for a rate of 18% on the first 400,000 of income, 21% on income up to 5 million, and a rate of 26.5% on income thereafter. Tax increases would likely undermine economic growth, kill jobs, send business overseas, you know, the usual. Hurt American families and businesses, but they'll pretend that the class warfare is good for everybody. Do Democrats care about the reality of this? Well, no, because the reckless spending spree is what they desire politically. So here we are. Let's talk to somebody who actually understands these numbers, these implications, and what's going on. Trish Regan, host of the Trish Regan Podcast, joins me now to discuss. Trish, a lot of taxes coming our way. Oh, yeah. You better believe it. I mean, if Joe Manchin can't stand up to this, I think we're all a little bit doomed. And by the way, I'm not just talking about the wealthy here because this is not going to affect just the wealthy like they want you to believe. Fuck, this is going to affect everyone. This affects the middle class, basically the fabric of our economy. 
because what they're going to do is make it so onerous for people to actually invest in anything, right? To take any kind of chance, any kind of investment risk. And this effectively like will throttle the economy in, in ways that frankly are very, very predictable. And yet this team, they wanna think, they wanna believe that you, you push this class warfare narrative and somehow it's gonna work. I'm sorry, there's no class warfare in this other than you've got the elite controlling everything. Like, let's be very clear, who's benefiting the most? None other than the world's largest asset manager, BlackRock, right? Which controls basically two thirds of the GDP of the US because they have that much money under management. They've got all these ESG environmentally, you know, socially conscious funds, which will theoretically benefit from it. I'm sorry, like this puts the middle class of America, poor Americans, very much at a disadvantage. Trish, CNBC highlighted what some of the tax hikes would include. I wanted you to tell us just what your sort of top line is in response to a corporate rate 21% to 26.5, top rate 37 to 39.6, capital gains increased to 39.6%. That's a pretty big one. Corporate tax increased to 28%, et cetera. People can see it on the screen, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, of all these tax increases you've seen, I'm just wondering, is there one that, that more than the others you say, that's just gonna be a job killer, that's gonna hurt the you know, average American household, or is it really just you take them all together and it's a tax and spend mess? Well, it, it's totally a tax and spend mess. I mean, is there anyone in particular? I mean, look, I, I think anytime you disincentivize corporations from investing in the American economy, that's a problem. It's one of the things that the Trump administration actually did so brilliantly, right? They brought so much money buck back on shore. All this money that was sitting overseas. I used to joke, I mean, I wasn't really joking, um, during the, the Obama days when all these American companies were doing what I called shotgun marriages, they were effectively, you know, mergers. They, they would go out and they would buy an Irish company and re-headquarter themselves in Ireland. Why? Because it was 12.5% corporate tax as opposed to the astronomical rates we have here in the US. And so there were these mergers or tax inversions or my term, shotgun marriages with these companies. And look, it's gonna happen all over again. You are gonna have a migration of capital. In other words, a migration of money to other places because it doesn't make sense to do business in the US. As far as the individual tax rate goes, look, I know that they wanna say stick it to the rich, tax the rich, that was the dress, right? That Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez wore while she was accompanied by her designer who was accompanied by her billionaire boyfriend because you see it's all sort of a, a, a class thing eventually. Like, you know, there, there are certain people that are gonna be doing just fine in this, including companies like BlackRock or perhaps these these billionaires that that are, you know, in in with the likes of AOC. But I'm telling you if you raise rates that much, ultimately it, it suppresses economic growth. And when you suppress economic growth, it has a massive ripple effect over the entire economy. And and I I can't say this enough. This tax plan is an absolute disaster. We've already seen the Biden administration completely fail on the US economy. I mean, inflation being what it is, and you and I have talked about that, this would just take it to the nth degree. Senator Joe Manchin, Trish, does not want the spending bill to go as high as President Biden was, by the way. We've got that update recently, looking at the spending. We're talking about the taxes. Let's talk about the spending portion of it for a second. President Biden failed to persuade Joe Manchin to agree to the $3.5 trillion 
on the Democrats' budget, budget reconciliation package. And defying a president from his own party face-to-face -face is the strongest indication yet, according to this piece in Axios, uh, strongest indication yet that Manchin is serious about cutting specific programs and limiting the price tag of any potential bill to $1.5 trillion. His insistence could blow up this deal for progressives. Meanwhile, Biden responds, uh, rather, back in March, Biden needed approval from Manchin on the $1.9 trillion stimulus package. He stiff-armed Manchin into the agreement. This was taken from Fox Business. President Biden issued a stark warning to Joe Manchin during a phone call out of a critical vote on his $1.9 trillion COVID-19 stimulus package last March. Okay, look, we got a lot, of, a lot of stuff, you know, then and now and back and forth, Biden, Manchin. Does Manchin hold the line here against the massive spending, you think? Is he the most powerful senator in America right now? Oh, for sure. I think I tweeted that. He, he's the yeah. most important guy in America right now. And thank goodness we have some adults in the room. Right, because he understands that you just can't keep printing money and you just keep, can't keep spending money. Eventually, this is going to come back to haunt you in really massive ways. Inflation is what inflation is. I mean, we're talking a lot, upwards of 5%, now four straight months in a row. So it doesn't matter if wages are growing, real wages that the mainstream media doesn't want to talk about, Buck. Sometimes I think they, it's because they just don't understand it. That, so they're spoon fed, whatever the White House tells them. Look, real wages adjusted for inflation, they're down 1.2% on the year. People are not making enough money to keep up with all this government spending. And yet Joe Biden and the Democrats want more of it. Joe Manchin understands this, and I commend him for that. Apparently, Joe Biden was quite aggressive, say my sources, in this conversation with Manchin. And I would just say, look, you know, Manchin, he has every right and he should right now stand up to this and, and voice concerns on behalf of Americans' future. Like nobody's thinking, it's very easy, right, to just say, okay, we're gonna like print money, like it's growing on trees and we're gonna just give it to everybody that we think needs it. But at some point, all of us are gonna pay for that. Our kids are gonna pay for that. Our grandkids are gonna pay for that. And if nobody actually stands up to this, then we're gonna have a really bad scenario going forward. Trish, expertise is always appreciated. Good to see you. Thanks, Buck. A mother and her two-year-old son were kicked off an American Airlines flight after the son wouldn't keep his mask on properly because he was having an asthma attack. Yeah, that happened. I'll tell you what the mom has to say coming up in Quick Hits next, but I want to tell you again about my friends at My Digital Money. Crypto is hot, right? People can make huge gains in crypto, very big upswings and some downswings too, so you got to know what you're doing. Bitcoin, Ethereum, all these digital tokens out there. Some people think this is like the currency, the store of value of the future, right? But how do you get started with all this? That's where My Digital Money comes in. It's one of the very few US-based cryptocurrency companies that'll answer your phone call, help you get started, all right? They wanna help you through this process. They've got incredible security for your coins. They also have trigger orders you can set up when you wanna sell, when you wanna buy, and the crypto market's heating up again. So this could be a great time to get into this exciting technology-based investment. All right, when it comes to your money, you deserve a team of dedicated professionals who have your back and speak to you honestly. That's My Digital Money. Go to MyDigitalMoney.com. Again, that's MyDigitalMoney.com. We'll be right back with Quick Hits. Another tyrannical leader in this country breaks their own COVID rules, and Dr. Fauci just gained another title, maybe his favorite one yet. It is time for Quick Hits. <sighs> okay, I'm going to have to just brace myself here for a second. Uh, as you know from watching this, <laughs> that's pretty good, guys. I got, I like the abs. That's nice. That's good. 
Dr. Fauci. He's been working out day in and day out in the lab on his abs. He's not actually uh, stopping COVID. He's stopping all the sugar and the excess macros from being consumed into his belly so that he's beach ready with that bod. The Guardian, the British paper, has actually named, this is, this is real. I mean, that's obviously not real, but this is real. The Guardian has named Dr. Fauci the sexiest man alive. This is an outrage against the term sexy. I'm sorry, I'm just going to say it. This is weird. It is creepy. This guy is creepy. He is wrong over and over again. He's a little tyrannical bureaucrat who does whatever the establishment wants him to, and it's appalling. But yes, they have named I know it's The Guardian. It's a British paper. But I mean, folks, come on. Too much craziness here. There's only so much you can accept. Dr. Fauci, why did this guy manage to keep his job? If Trump was so bad at COVID response, which is not fair or true, but that's what they said. If Trump was so bad, how could Fauci, who was the face of COVID response under Trump, keep his job under Biden? Ah, that's right, because Fauci is a little slimy bureaucrat who managed to position himself while working for Trump as an anti-Trump so that Biden wanted to keep him in that role. Meanwhile, boosters. Should we have boosters, Fauci? We got to look at the data. This guy doesn't know. Bleep from bleep. I mean, I, it's, you know, it gets me very frustrated. I really, I mean, can you take that off the screen, please, guys? This is, this is like a Paul. It's making me upset, all right? First of all, I don't have abs like that anymore, damn it. All right, um, maskless mayor in San Francisco. This shouldn't be a surprise. San Francisco has an indoor mask mandate because COVID is so serious and scary for everybody, including the vaccinated and those at low risk by age and lack of comorbidities. They tell you, at least, that's what they say. But uh, Mayor London Breed, even though there's this health order that she put into place as the mayor of San Francisco, was seen at a nightclub partying with a BLM co-founder. Here's what that was like. I mean, it was pretty, pretty groovy tunes, if we're going to be honest, guys. It was pretty, it looked like a fun, it looks, it looks like a fun party. And I want to just say this. I like that people are having fun parties. I, I'm all about it. I, I, I would go and, and well, I mean, they wouldn't invite me probably, but I would go to that party, hang out, drink. I tell funny stories, whatever. It'd be great. But see, I don't pretend that nobody else can have fun parties with no masks on or make them not able to do that and then go have the party. See, that's the difference. I actually want people to enjoy freedom and fun across the board. But the mayor of San Francisco thinks it's just for the important people, just for the powerful and the connected. And I got a problem with that. I'm not okay with this hypocrisy. I'm sick of it. I'm tired of it. I know you are too. Enough is enough. And then there's this. The worst people, the worst enforcers of the COVID tyranny that you come across, by and large, are airline stewardesses or attendants. We say attendants now, right? Whatever. Airline attendants. Uh, they're the ones that say, pull the mask up over your nose or we'll kick you off the flight. I've seen, actually, I've seen people get kicked off of flights for having the mask below their nose as if, oh, the COVID is coming for us. Those cloth masks don't do a thing 
nothing. It's a joke. Only stupid jackasses think otherwise at this point. But... Anyway, here you have a mom who had a two-year-old who wasn't wearing his mask properly on an American Airlines flight. Of course, American Airlines sucks. We all know that. But uh, he was having an asthma attack, which obviously is very distressing, and wasn't wearing the mask, which would be constricting his breathing further. Here's what happened. Watch. No humanity, no decency, no let's think this through from the airline attendants, of course. They enjoy their Stasi-like powers, you know. you know. Oh, make sure you put the seat back up and also mask up or else. Here's a message from a mother, the mother who's kicked off the flight. My mom, my son, and me just have the most humiliating, traumatizing experience because of a truly evil, power-tripping flight attendant named Carl with American Airlines. He had the plane turned around and had us escorted off to be met by police officers. Why? Wait for it because my two-year-old was not properly wearing a mask. We showed him a negative COVID test he had yesterday, told him he has asthma and has never worn a mask before. He did not care that this asthmatic child was literally hyperventilating. There are morons out there who are so disgusting that honestly, they would probably tell an asthmatic child to mask up even if it meant the kid died because you know, masking is that important to them because they're idiots and they're Fauciites and they're cowards. A lot of that, are, and then and they're Biden voters too. Those things all go together. Look, have a great weekend. I know that was kind of a bummer to end on, but I appreciate you being here, uh, being here with me. That's the end of Hold the Line, but we'll be back with you on Monday. The No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly is next. Shields high.